You're listening to WBAI New York. Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz. I'm your host today. Usually I'm here with Jeff Simmons, but he has uh, slipped away for a few moments of well-deserved rest and relaxation, so I'm going to try to hold down the fort today uh, by myself. I look forward to hearing some of your calls if you want to if you want to uh, share your thoughts on today's topic and a topic that we're going to be doing a lot of in March that is, of course, uh, Women's History Month. So if you don't have our number in your phone, by the way, 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. We have some uh, really cool guests for you today, actually. So I'm uh, excited to be here, uh, even though I am missing Jeff. But uh, before we get started, just wanted to take a brief moment to remind you that we are still in our winter fundraising drive. And so if you would just take a moment, we would very, very much appreciate it if you'd give us a call at our pledge line five one six. 620-3602-516-620-3602. If you can give in any amount, it would be appreciated. It's uh, $25 to become a, a member for the year. You can also become what's, a, what's called a WBAI buddy, in which you give a recurring donation. You can give one in the name of this show, Driving Forces, if you'd like. I, I think uh, I would certainly appreciate that, and I know that Jeff, my partner here on uh, on the radio every Thursday at 5, would appreciate it as well. It's even easier than that. You can go on the web, give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org, give to WBAI.org, or you can just text WBAI to your smartphone, on your smartphone, 41444, text WBAI to 41. 444. So we would really appreciate that. This is non-corporate, non-commercial radio. We don't get uh, this kind of programming anywhere else, and we are going to have some really, really great programming, especially for Women's History Month. I was just looking at the grid. We're going to have lots of different programming. I'm going to be doing something tomorrow, for example, on uh, women in politics, and we're going to have women in culture, women in arts, women in health, women in, in just about every subject that you can think of. This is a really important time, and lots and lots of women here at WBAI, lots of female hosts here at WBAI, which is great, which is, to be honest, not something I think that we really get enough of in uh, in the corporate radio world, but we're very, very lucky to have it here in community radio. So again, 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602. And we are going to start out, uh, fortunately for us, we have a very special guest who's agreed to join us today. But not yet. <laughs> In a moment, I am here with uh, James, our engineer. He is he is setting this up for us. But uh, do not do not fear. We have trusted him many many a time to operate this switchboard. And here's another thing. To be honest with you, here's another really good reason why we should have uh, we we should have, have to uh, ask for your support. Is that we need better equipment. We need equipment. We've put in some more phone lines. And uh, recently, for example, I think it was last weekend, I hosted the our live coverage of Bernie. Sanders 
Sanders uh, giving his uh, giving his rally, giving his kickoff rally at Brooklyn College right here in the city. And uh, the phone lines were lighting up, and it was great to see it. And we put in those extra lines just to make sure we can get as many of your calls as we possibly can. So please help us out so we can have the best possible equipment. We have studio renovations underway. And the way you can help us out, again, 516-620-3602. 516-620-3602. We don't get money from the government. We don't get money from playing you endless commercials. This is how we get our money. When we uh, take a few moments from time to time to uh, ask you to please help us out, we are going to uh, have some preempted programming. And, you know, we'd rather not do that. We would very, very much rather um, be able to dedicate that time to uh, to bringing you the regular programs that you enjoy. We have news programs, cultural programs, of course, of course, music programs, public affairs programs like this one, Driving Forces. Uh, but we would very, very much uh, appreciate your help in keeping these programs on the air. Again, we don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to grub money out of you. I'd rather be, uh, be bringing you a bunch of good guests here for uh, for Women's History Month and uh, International Women's Day. But if you would just help us out, you can hear me stop talking about money. 516-620-3602. We have some cool premiums. If you would uh, if you would consider making a donation, you can get some swag. You can get some WBAI swag. I have, for example, um, we have tote bags. We have books. We have all different things. We have stuff you can choose from. You can just check it out right online. Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. Give to WBAI.org. Um, there's a lot of different stuff going on with uh, with. Uh, women's programming this month. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned earlier, I was just checking out the grid, and we have some very cool stuff going on that should be uh, should be very interesting. I'm actually going to check it out and tell you a little bit about it. But again, if you want to help us out with a pledge so we can keep bringing you this kind of special programming, um, our our uh, program director Linda had asked for volunteers the other day, and. Uh, so many, so many people, incredibly, so many people volunteered to help out for International Women's Day. That's Friday, March 8th, that we are going to have round-the-clock programming, literally round-the-clock programming. Um, we are going to start at 9 a.m., and we are going to go right until 9 p.m., and hopefully we are uh, going to go straight through with, with all of that. We have, uh, we have stories about... Uh, the news. We have stories about uh, uh, women's prisons. We have uh, why uh, why should we care about International Women's Day? We have uh, pieces about Latin American women. Okay, we are going to keep going with this. Uh, we are going to keep going right now with this. Hopefully, getting hooked up right now. This should be just a moment. Okay, is this? Are we? Are we in? Okay, we are. Uh, as I said, we are we are in the process of getting hooked up here with our first guest, who I am legitimately very very excited about. Actually, I had the uh, the pleasure of moderating a forum with her not that long ago during the uh, state elections, um, uh, during the uh, uh, excuse me during the, the statewide elections that was up at uh, in the Upper West Side, and um, I'm just looking here again at some of the uh, special program that we have while we are working on this uh, slight bit of 
tech, uh, tech excitement that we are having. Again, going back to what you will be hearing tomorrow on International Women's Day on WBAI. Uh, we have pieces about women in labor. We have the evening news, of course, women and gender equity, uh, women artists and storytellers, uh, an overview of gender bias, gender bias in medicine and health. And oh, are we? Okay, the big moment has arrived. We are finally, see, we go through a, a great struggle to bring you all this programming. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, Driving Forces is proud to present uh, to you, our listeners, L- Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, and hopefully she is on the line. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Hochul is president of the New York State Senate. She chairs the Regional Economic Development Councils and the New York State Women's Suffrage 100th Anniversary Commemoration Commission. She also is co-chair of the New York State Heroin and Opioid Abuse Task Force and Community College Councils. Lieutenant Governor, thank you for your patience and welcome to WBAI. Hi, Celeste. Delighted to be on your show. So thank you for having me. <laughs> I am delighted you are here, too. We had a, a that was a that was a busy moment. But I am I'm seeing from your Twitter feed lately that you are trying to help women like me figure out how to uh, how to get it all done. Right. Is that the uh, that's the new thing, the new hashtag? I, I don't have all the answers, but I have uh, a lot of thoughts. I've been doing this a long time. And so it really is it's in response to a question I literally get every day which is how do you do it? How do you travel all 62 counties and keep it all together and pack for the week and try to get some exercise time and what do you eat? So I just thought it would be kind of fun to take the opportunity to use a hashtag, how she does it, and answer some of those questions. So if people want to know how I do something, uh, feel free to ask. So Yeah, well, I, I certainly could obviously use the help. I'm always feeling like I'm trying to juggle things. And a lot of women, I think, are really, really trying to to juggle things. I think you used the word uh, women are, are essentially geniuses at multitasking. Um, you know, maybe you can, as, as far as being our, our highest female elected official in the state, you know, tell us a little bit before we get into some of the uh, the Women's History Month issues. You know, what is your day like? Maybe people don't know a lot about the office of, of lieutenant governor. Uh, what what does it entail? What do you uh, what is your your day from morning to night look like? Well, logistically, I, I do have a home in Buffalo, but I have offices in Buffalo, New York City, where I am right now in Albany, where I was yesterday. And what I try to do is straddle the entire state to make sure that no area feels neglected, which is kind of like being a parent and you can't play favorite with any of your children. So I do try to be everywhere as much as I can every week. And, for example, this past Monday, the, the alarm went off at 3 a.m., and I was heading to the airport by 4.30, hopped a plane a little after 5, and literally did uh, seven or eight events uh, in between New York City, went up to Albany, uh, then many times I preside over the Senate, but sometimes my schedule doesn't allow. But we did events in Albany. I met with a lot of individuals uh, who are from different organizations. For example, um, we had advocates from the United Ju- uh, Jewish Federation. We had individuals from the surrogacy uh, proponents who want to make sure we change our laws. So I, I have a chance to meet with a lot of different groups, give speeches. I think one day this week I gave eight speeches. So a lot of my day is also spent preparing for those speeches to make sure that I know all the materials that would be of interest to them, and I put a lot of thought into it and making sure that I'm prepared because I always want to put myself in the views of the people in the audience, what they actually want to hear. And then, you know, by the end of the week, on a weekend, I'm trying to uh, get a few minutes of exercise in, uh, sometimes on the weekend, sometimes earlier in the day, and try to eat something decent once in a while, which doesn't always happen when I'm on the road. So it's hectic, but I do champion those causes that you spoke about at the beginning. Uh, I'd handle economic development for the governor, chairing the Regional Economic Development Councils. 
I promote women in STEM. I speak to young women all the time. Uh, literally last night I was at a, a coding program that Albany hosts to talk about encouraging more people to go into those fields. And um, my, issue, my work with the heroin opioid task force is very important to me. As someone who lost a nephew to this crisis just a couple years ago, I can really relate to families that have had to endure this. So every week is very diverse. Every day is very diverse. But I love it because I get a chance to champion our signature issues and causes, and I couldn't be prouder to work for an administration that I think is phenomenally progressive, and we are always raising the bar, pushing ourselves harder every day to make sure that we're serving the people of the state of New York to the best of our ability. So I consider it a privilege. I, I love public service, and there's nothing like being lieutenant governor of the great state of New York. And you're saying that having served in local government, having served in Congress, uh, so clearly a, a breadth of experience there, uh, lots of uh, and lots of travel associated with that too. Um, I do want to get to some of the cool stuff that you mentioned on uh, that you've been mentioning during your your uh, your tweets and during your speeches and so on about women's history and about New York's place in women's history. But just to pause for one second, there are some things that you're discussing here that are not really sort of. Uh, to be frank, anything to celebrate. I was noticing that you've been uh, bringing attention recently to the uh, maternal mortality rate, that there's a task force that is dealing with this. And you said specifically, women of color die in childbirth at a rate nearly four times that of white women. This is shameful. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you and what New York is uh, are doing to, to try to address this, which is which is really a tragedy. It sure is, and sometimes when you're in a position like I am, I can put the spotlight on a problem that we identify, and this is certainly one of them that people have been living with, but now we are aware of it and also have, have the opportunity to do something about it, which is more important than just talking about it. So what we're doing to try and uh, reduce this, this horrific statistic of how many more women of color are dying in childbirth than uh, white women, we are training all health care institutions about racial bias. Is there implicit racial bias going on where their women are being treated differently literally when they walk in the front door to deliver a child or in the aftermath of delivery? Uh, we're creating a statewide maternal mortality review board to really get the statistics on what we're dealing with here. Sometimes you can't solve a problem until you analyze it and know the numbers that you're talking about. And are there higher areas than others in terms of maternal mortality? Also, just even expanding community health programs and key areas to get more prenatal care out there, that's really an important part of it. Uh, even taking vitamins, uh, you know, are people having access to affordable programs like uh, checkups before they even ha deliver a child? So it's not just at the end when the baby is delivered, but also what goes into the process of the nine months before the baby's born. So we're developing a working group to talk about even the critical time right after birth, what happens literally in the aftermath on how the women are being treated and is it fairly, or is there a gender, is, I'm sorry, is there a racial bias that needs to be talked about, addressed, and eliminated? And when you, uh, one of the other issues that you've drawn attention to are uh, women and minority-owned businesses, and I thought it was interesting that you had made some mention of, of automation and the effects of automation, but also just the, the general interests of women who are trying to get into staying to the workforce, stay in the workforce, get uh, uh, equal pay for equal work. Obviously, you've talked about the Equal Rights Amendment, for example, which is unbelievably we're still waiting around for, right? Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on whether we will eventually see a realization of the Equal Rights Amendment? 
Yeah, Celeste, that's an excellent question, and one would think, why are we still talking about this in 2019? This was launched in the state of New York in 1923 by Alice Paul, who actually is a distant relative of uh, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who was my roommate when I was in Congress. So she's been talking about this literally as long as I've known her. So, yes, it is an embarrassment as the state that is the birthplace of the women's rights movement, literally in 1848, that we do not have in our own constitution enshrined the right to protect women on account of their sex. And it's a simple change. It's something that we believe now that we have the majority of Democrats running the Senate now under Andrew Stewart Cousins. And when I preside before the Senate, as I have frequently this year, I believe that we can actually get this done this year. So there's no reason not to. But I also think it's more important than just doing it because it's part of our DNA and part of our history. We have a lot of unfinished business not just passing the Equal Rights Amendment, but what does that mean today? And when you talk about the intersectionality of gender and race and gender identity and a lot of other issues, we can use that protection in our Constitution to make serious headway to address inequality in the various areas where it rears its ugly head. And maybe even this conversation you mentioned about pay inequity, the fact that women have to work longer than men we were talking about in April a date when white women would have to work to to earn as much as a white man does by the end of December. Head into August is when you finally hit the date when women of color would have to work till in order to earn the same as a white man these days. So we're, we're continuing using my position as, as you mentioned, the highest ranked female in New York state government, using that as a platform to call out these inequities and also do something about it. So you also mentioned that I spent a lot of time trying to address this, the whole workforce development issue and how we're going to deal with the impacts of automation. I literally was at a conference in Albany this week uh, for Centers for Urban Future, and the big issue they talked about was the fact that over 1.2 million jobs in New York are at risk because of automation. Now, we need to get, in my judgment, women trained and heading toward the careers where they will not be obsolete and jobs that will not be obsolete in a few years. Point them to areas where there's growth and expansion so they can count on a long-term income stream to, to raise their families because there's so many women heads of household now, and we have to address that. But one other issue which has not really been talked about in terms of women empowerment till mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is child care. People have always viewed that as that's your own family's problem and you need to figure it out. Well, when we look about how women are being held back from advancing in their careers, much of, the, much of the reason is because they can't get affordable and accessible childcare. So I raised this with the Regional Economic Development Council Forum the other day, which is really the leaders who are making economic de- decisions across the state, that we need to make this part of our calculation when we are supporting businesses and encouraging them to grow and expand. We have to ask the question, what are you doing to make your workplace more inclusive And are you removing barriers to women in advancing and even starting to work at your company? And if you can tell me how you're dealing with the child care issue and what you're doing either on-site or creating incentives or uh, tax breaks or some other way that we can make it easier and reduce the financial burden of child care, then we'll talk to you. But I want to make sure that that is part of our economic development strategy all across the state of New York. And that's a new concept, but that also ties into having identified one of the main reasons why women aren't moving ahead in their careers. 
And if you're just joining us, you are listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. We are speaking to New York State Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. Um, and Lieutenant Governor, another thing I wanted to ask you, it's kind of a uh, kind of a little offhand uh, memory I just had talking about all these issues about women. I was interviewing uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who, as you know, later went on to become uh, the governor of Michigan. And I said, how do you feel about, she says, I always get this question, you know, what's it like running or what's it like leading as a woman? And she says, well, what else am I supposed to lead as? So I wanted to ask you, do you think things will be different in the coming uh, legislative or political season, given that we now have a female lieutenant governor, a female uh, state senate uh, majority leader, and a female attorney general? Or is that sort of not that relevant? Will it make a difference, do you think? Les, it sure does. And I've been waiting a long time to no longer be the only statewide woman official. I'm delighted to have Attorney General Tish James. I can't tell you how excited I am when I stand at the podium in the Senate and I look out and see so many more women, particularly women of color and a very diverse group. A lot of them are younger. And, of course, I'm looking at the Democratic side of the aisle because there hasn't been much change on the Republican side. But I, but I also know that they're now affecting policies. And, yes, the influence of women is growing exponentially now because of these changes. The governor has always been enlightened on this and making sure that we have policies that promote women. But having physically women in place in the corridors of power now in higher numbers and the fact that our state legislature went from 27 percent women when I was first elected five years ago to 33 percent with just the last election – that's trending in the right direction. Now, we have a lot of areas where we have not made any gains at all. I live in the city of Buffalo, second largest city. There are no women on the city council in Buffalo. And even here in New York City, the number of women out of 51 city council members is 11. And that is not acceptable. But at least in our state capital, I feel like we're making some progress. And it's not just seeing them physically out there. It is knowing that their voices are being heard when we are talking about issues that affect families, whether it's paid family leave, increasing the minimum wage, making sure we have affordable child care, taking guns out of the hands of domestic abusers. There's so many things we do that when women add their voices, it puts a different perspective on it. And I'm very optimistic about where we're going in the state of New York and delighted to be part of it. And one of the uh, one of the things that we're highlighting, obviously, during uh, Women's History Month and on International Women's Day, is the role that that uh, women from New York and in New York have played. I know that there's a a super super long list of uh, of women who fall into that category, from Shirley Chisholm to uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, Sojourner Truth, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor. I mean, are there any? particular women that you're really thinking about uh, on this International Women's Day or in this uh, uh, Women's History Month that maybe were personally inspiring to you or to your family or to your children? Well, one story that's part of our way back history is that of Harriet Tubman. And she not only was a so-called conductor on the Underground Railroad, I read about her life story when I was a child. And I have used her story and talked about her all over the state of New York because it is a huge point of pride that she settled in Auburn, New York, upstate New York, for her last 50 years. And she became not just a proponent for freedom for slaves on the Underground Railroad, but also became a significant voice in the fight for women's equality. And you think about the struggles of a poor, illiterate woman and the impact that she had and became known around the world. And if you go visit 
her homestead in Auburn, you can see a gift to her that was given by the Queen of England and all the countless letters that came in. This tiny woman was a powerhouse. And I think about all the currents that were against her, and she still persevered. And so I take inspiration from that when I'm giving my speeches and traveling the state, and sometimes uh, things get a little rough and tumble in the political world, having just come off a primary election. I know what I'm talking about. I've been through 11 elections. And so I think about someone like that, and it really makes me say I have no reason to complain. I have been blessed with uh, the opportunity to serve the people of the state, and a lot of women, uh, I'm standing on their shoulders way back to Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth and others, and Susan B. Anthony. These are all New York State women. They're nationally known for their contributions, but they're our own, and that's part of our DNA as women of New York. And that's why I feel we have a special, truly a moral responsibility to carry on in their name to further the advancement of women in our state and leave this place better than we found it because our foremothers sure did, and they came across a lot of adversity, even Gloria Steinem back in the 60s raising the idea of having an Equal Rights Amendment. And what she had to endure when people said, you know, this could be the most horrific development in our history because it's going to lead to gay marriage and other rights like that. Well, yes, it, guess what it did. And we're a better state for that, for leading on these issues. And that's, that's just who we are as New Yorkers, pushing hard, always persevering, never giving up, thinking big, bold, audacious thoughts, and getting the job done. So I'm, I'm part proud to be part of the history of the New York women that go way back, but it really made a significant difference, not just for our state, but really our country. And I did remember uh, interviewing you or, or moderating a question and answer session with you up on the Upper West Side during the elections last year, um, where you, I think you were representing yourself and the governor. Um, just covering that whole election for me was really amazing to see so many women, not just running, but running, winning nominations, winning general elections. But there were still a couple of outliers that to me were amazing. Like it, was just, it was just shocking to me that Vermont had never sent a woman to Congress. That was just mind-blowing to me. And uh, I guess the, the question I have to ask is, with, with this sort of great history that we have here in New York, uh, why have we never had a woman governor? Is it you? I am delighted to be lieutenant governor, and I have been in every level of government from town to county to Congress, and every position I've been in, I always think it can't get any better than that, and that's exactly how I feel right now. I'm honored to serve, and it gets me, gives me the opportunity to really promote policies and issues that I believe really affect the lives of every New Yorker, and to be part of that is really the best part of what I've ever been able to do in public service, so I love what I'm doing. And uh, what do you have any uh, any thoughts? I will keep asking you this question because hey, you never know. Governor uh, Governor Cuomo has said I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something like unless unless he was struck down by heaven, he would finish his term. But uh, you know, who knows what what form this striking and which heaven it might be? Who knows? But so uh, that doesn't sound like a complete rule out. Should something come up, right? That sounded pretty definitive, if you ask me. <laughs> but uh, I would say I you know. What I've never done is engaged in speculation or hypotheticals. Uh, I, I stay focused on the job I'm in because otherwise I would not be giving it my all, so I never think about other rungs uh, at all. I know that I'm prepared for anything, always have been, always will be, and I would embrace any opportunity that comes, but I don't speculate on what may or may not happen in the future. 
Well, I, nobody ever got poor from asking, as my father would say. So I, uh, I appreciate you putting up with my, uh, with my questions there. That's and, all right, uh, Lieutenant Governor, you've been very generous with your time. I know we have just a, a minute or so left here. Um, is there anything that you want people to really keep in mind on this uh, International Women's Day or during Women's History Month? I mean, there's so many issues to to tackle, like economics, health, all education, all the things that we've talked about. Is there anything that that maybe people can do a little bit of in their own lives, in their own daily lives, to to advance the cause of, of women's equality or just of women living better and healthier lives. I will just give you a one-minute reflection on where I think we are. I have never seen women so energized, so empowered, so willing to take to the streets and push for their rights as I've seen in the last two years. And I do believe that the election of Donald Trump woke a sleeping giant because women's rights have been taken for granted for far too long in this country, the right to reproductive health, for example. And so I love the fact that there are women of all ages, but the young generation that's stepping up and out there protesting with us and trying to uh, make sure their voices are heard, I, I find it so encouraging to me, and I want women to not give up hope that elections have consequences, and we're dealing with the consequence of 2016 nationally. But you're in a state right now where we sort of we basically ignore and reject and repel against everything that is coming out of Washington. So we're going to continue fighting to protect women in the state. So I want everyone to feel that they own they have their own responsibility to use the contacts they have, their talents they have, their desire to use social media to contact people, press on issues they care about, fight for their children and their families, because now we're, we need them now more than ever. This reminds me of the time back when we were fighting for the right to vote over 100 years ago. I need women that mobilized and that engaged in the political process because we cannot tolerate another four years of Donald Trump, and I also want to see more women stepping up and running. So this is our moment, ladies. This is our moment. And step up now or you will not be counted among those who really made a difference during your time. And that's how I approach every single day. We have one day at a time to make a difference. Please step up because uh, we're counting on the engagement of all women. And Lieutenant Governor, if people want to find out more about you and your office and your work, where should where should we send them? Where should we tell them to look? Well, we certainly uh, have three offices everywhere. We have social media. We have uh, our information is on our Lieutenant Governor website, the official one. And, and uh, if they want to see our, our little snippets on how she does it, they can also follow us on our hashtag of how she does it on Facebook and, and Twitter as well. So, so there's a lot of ways to stay in touch with us, and we're looking for more ideas. And I, and I do appreciate you putting a spotlight on the very special place that we were honored to have in the course of women's history here in the state of New York. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. It's been a pleasure to have you here on Driving Forces. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you very much. So, great. So, guys, really glad to, uh, and ladies, uh, Really glad to be able to have hosted Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. She is the uh, highest ranking elected official in the state of New York. We have not had we have not had a female governor yet. I tried to go there because you know me. I'm going to go there. You're listening to Celeste Katz. This is Driving Forces, WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live on WBAI.org. We have another cool guest coming up. Just want to take one second to uh, remind you again. Sorry, got to do this. Got to do this. Got to keep the lights on. Our pledge line, 516 620 Three six zero two five one six 
620-3602. This is non-corporate, non-commercial programming. We are not getting a big check from the government. We are hoping to get even a modest check. Of course, if you want to send us a gigantic check, I'm totally okay with that. 516-620-3602. Help us bring you these programs. Help us keep the lights on. Help us keep the uh, the phone lines open and get better equipment and, and finish our uh, studio renovations that we have been working on here so that we can continue bringing you all the cool programs that you have come to to know. I, I can't tell you how many times I tell people that I get to, I'm lucky enough to be a host or a co-host here on WBAI and people tell me, oh, I listened to it ever since I was a kid or my father used to listen to it every Sunday or, you know, everybody has a story about WBAI. So many of the elected officials even that I speak to, that I interview on these programs say that they themselves used to have shows for five years, 10 years right here, WBAI 99.5 FM. So if you want to help us continue that tradition of community radio, please help us out. 516-620-3602. Doesn't have to be a ton of money, but please do help us out. Give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org or text WBAI to 41444 on your smartphone. Did that sound convincing, James? I'm convinced. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I am a WBAI buddy, by the way, which means I make a recurring donation, uh, and I got my cool tote bag, and I feel like I am doing something uh, to support community radio, and I feel good about that. So we are, and thank you, James, by the way, for the uh, for the moral support there as well. Anytime, Celeste. <laughs> that was actually very good. <laughs> well, thank you. I hope they respond shamelessly, as they should. Shamelessly fishing for compliments. No, shamelessly fishing for your support because we really do need your help here at WBAI. Please do consider, please do consider giving in any amount that you can. Five one six six two zero three six zero two. Okay, so I am going to take a break from that while you're calling in to that number, 516-620-3602. And we're going to bring up our next guest here to tell us about another cool project that's happening right here in New York City. Uh, We're happy to welcome to Driving Forces Faye Penn. She is the executive director of Women.NYC. It's an initiative to help create to help New York women succeed in businesses and their careers and give them tools to do that. She has been herself a small business owner. Uh, she's been an editor at places like New York Magazine, The New York Post, and InStyle, and she's also been an executive at Lifetime Television. And she's going to join us to tell us more about that and. Uh, also, of this very cool program that is very, very timely right now called She Built NYC. So, Faye, really, really glad you could uh, join us on Driving Forces today. Well, thank you, Celeste. And before we, uh, before we talk about She Built NYC, which is my favorite thing to talk about, of course, I have to tell you, that was some masterful fundraising. <laughs> you're going to have to talk afterwards, and you're going to have to give me some tips. So I'm writing a check right now as we speak. Oh, still yeah. accept checks. Okay, just as, so. add, add, add as many zeros to the end as you want. <laughs> we, we, so, we, yeah, that was, that was tremendous. Um, setting a very high bar here. So. Thank you. Um, thank you. So I'm really glad. I know it was you were very, uh, very, very kind to uh, to come in here sort of uh, at the last moment. I was a, a little late getting it together, but you guys uh, jumped into the breach here, which I totally, totally appreciate. So uh, for everyone's listening out here uh, at BAI, tell us a little bit about women.nyc. What uh, what does it do? Who is it for? And uh, what uh, what can we learn from it? What, how can we get involved? Okay, that's great. Thank you. Um, well, 
Women.NYC was launched last May by Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn and First Lady Shirley McRae, who looked around and saw that the city was doing all of these amazing things to help women, but there wasn't really a cohesive way to tell the story, or more importantly, a centralized place to learn about them. One of the things that the city does is has a tremendous um, program called WMIC through the Department of Small Business Services for women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city came up with specific funding tools for women entrepreneurs because women get less capital, they get uh, smaller loans, they get higher interest rates. There's all kinds of sort of institutionalized ways that women lag behind men in small businesses and big businesses. And the city had created these amazing tools to help level the playing field. And so we were helping entrepreneurs. And we were also had various programs throughout the city to help New Yorkers at all levels. We had, for instance, there's an amazing program for NYCHA residents called the Food Business Pathways Program, where you can participate in a food business training program for free and also have access to licenses. But there, you know, there are a lot of women in New York City who would love to know how to do this, but there wasn't a place necessarily where they could find out if they didn't already know about it. And New York City was also doing things to help women in tech in all these different areas. And so um, the First Lady and Deputy Mayor Glenn said, we need to tell this story in a cohesive way and use this as a platform to launch new initiatives. So they came up with a website mm-hmm. called Women's NYC, mm-hmm. which launched in May. It also launched a bunch of new programs. There's a pro bono legal program for entrepreneurs. There's a tech program to help women learn JavaScript, moms specifically, to help them go back to work as JavaScript programmers. And not only is the program free, but we also offer free childcare. And that's a partnership with Google and an organization called Mother Coders. Um, we just launched with Amex a, a shop women-owned NYC campaign where we're encouraging people to support women-owned businesses who make such a big contribution to the community by going out and shopping and spending their money with women-owned businesses for March. Um, and... We just also launched a $30 million venture fund in conjunction with four, uh, sorry, five women-led VC partners to help put money into women-led startups. And so the city is making a real investment in um, women's financial success and uh, betterment. And this is uh, we're doing it under the umbrella of women.nyc. And, and oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just happen to be looking. I'm 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 on the site uh, as we speak, and one of the sections I think could be really useful to people, and I hope that they will check out after the program on uh, women.nyc is uh, there's a whole section called Know Your Rights, and this I, I'm really interested to take a deeper look at this because it has some really important I think sections here about what you need to know about what what you are entitled to do and what you are entitled to be free of at your job. There's, you know, fair hiring salary, breastfeeding, uh, sexual harassment, freelance rights, workplace safety. This is, you know, this is uh, a nice clearinghouse, I think, for people to get questions answered because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's not, you're not really sure. You're, you know, a boss or, uh, you know, some handbook may tell you this or that, uh, and different people may find that that is not in accordance, actually, with the, with the law. Well, thank you. That's great. I'm really glad that that uh, comes across, and I would love everyone to come and check out. You know, there's no there's no gender-coded password on the site, so everybody can come to the site and learn about a lot of the opportunities that we have and the Know Your Rights section of the website. I would hope everybody can find that useful. 
so men and women alike. And thank you for, for noting that. So um, so you're probably wondering how She Built NYC fits into all this. That is exactly where I was going. Good call, good call, good call. <laughs> okay. So, so um, women.nyc, the way we define our mission is to uh, make New York City the best place for women to succeed in their businesses and careers and to highlight the trailblazers who led the way. And um, when the She Built New York, I'm sorry, I have to say She Built NYC, I always have to remember to say that, um, was born out of the recognition that there are so many women who contributed to making New York City the extraordinary place it is today, but that their contributions are almost entirely ignored in the public space. Um, there's, there's something, there's a little statistic we love to talk about, about how I think there's, let's say, don't quote me on this, but 30 statues in, in Central Park, and only one is a woman, and it's Alice in Wonderland. She wasn't even a real woman. <laughs> she was a I, just, I just made a rude noise yeah. into the microphone, but sorry. Alice in Wonderland, really? Yeah, so this is what, this is what we've been dealing with. You know, women are so far underrepresented in the, in the, in the public spaces that First Lady Shirley McRae and Deputy Mary Lou said, we need to do something about this. We want to create some more statues of women so they finally get the recognition they deserve. And we want the public to help us decide who these women should be. And so they put out this uh, call for nominations, and we got over 2,000 nominations. And I think they nominated over three, 30, 300 uh, names. And those are also on the women.nyc site. Wait, how many? We built NYC page, so you can see all the nominations. How many nominations? Um, let's see. 2,000, you said? Yes, 2,000. Wow. Uh, do you, can you give us a couple of uh, examples? Um, Faye Penn, obviously, being right right up there at the top of the list. But uh, any, anybody else I no, know? No, I think I must have been, you know, I think I must have been the 400th because I didn't make the list. No. So it's over 2,000 people gave us over 300 names. Oh, okay, great. And um, I'll tell you, why don't we talk about the, the women that we are building? Yes, yeah, I think there we have uh, five five going, uh, five statues going. Is that right? Yep. Um, back in November, we announced Shirley Chisholm, mm-hmm. and she's our Brooklyn nominee. We have one, one statue in each borough, and um, Shirley Chisholm, of course, was a political pioneer. She was the first woman elected, the first black woman elected to Congress um, in 1969, mm-hmm. and she became the first black woman to run for president. Uh, 1972, mm-hmm. and she's she's a major, major hero to Brooklyn and to women in general, right? We saw a record number of women of color running for our a record number of women running for office. I mean, we all owe it to Shirley Chisholm, who broke just about every barrier there is. And so she is going to be honored by a statue at the entrance of Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And that was uh, just, that was her district. Where her that was by uh, that was her where her district was, right? That's part of her. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then uh, who do we have up next? Okay. So Queens. In Queens, we have jazz singer Billie Holiday, and she, while she was associated with Harlem, in many ways, she was actually born in Queens and re- and she lived in Queens, and she was, uh, of course, you know a huge figure in jazz. She defined the, the New York jazz scene and she challenged racial barriers. She was one of the first black women to sing with a white orchestra. And she also is probably best known for the amazing song, Strange Fruit. 
Yeah. Which, you know, is a protest song about lynching. And she is going to be honored by a statue near Queensboro Hall. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well deserved. Yeah, she's. We're really excited about about Billy. Um, and in Manhattan, we have um, another game changer. We have Elizabeth Jennings Graham, and she is she is not the household name that she should be. And that's really the reason why we're doing this whole thing, right? Is that these women have gone unrecognized for too long. She is. She's sort of commonly called New York City's Rosa Parks. And she was a, in 1854, she was a 27-year-old school teacher who um, got on a New York City streetcar that did not accept African Americans as passengers. And the, con- the conductor tried to get her to go off, and she refused, and she was forcibly removed by the police. And so she sold the conduct. She sued the conductor, the driver, the judge ruled in her favor, and it was really ending transit segregation in New York City. And by 1860, which is six years later, all of the city street car lines were open to African Americans. She was a major, major figure um, in New York City with a statue outside Grand Central. Outstanding. And in the Bronx, we have a doctor. Okay. Uh, Dr. Helen. Sorry? Okay, awesome. No, I was uh, I'm uh, born in the Bronx myself, so I'm always, uh, I'm always interested when we get around to the Bronx. Okay. Well, we had uh, Dr. Helen who's a pioneer in um, pediatrics and public health. Um, she was a major figure in AIDS, actually. She was the medical director of the New York State Department of Health AIDS Institute. She was um, a very decorated doctor, and she also was, um, she shaped the regulations that govern informed consent for sterilizations and advocated for neonatal care for underserved people. And we are honoring her with a statue at St. Mary's Park in the Bronx. Okay, and then that leaves us, uh, I think, one more. I think we have uh, one more to round out that group of five. Staten Island. Okay, who do we got? Uh, Okay, Catherine Walker. Are you familiar with Catherine Walker? Uh, Tell me more about, I'm probably not as familiar as I I should be, certainly, I think. Probably the uh, uh, the lighthouse keeper. Am I getting that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, Good. Lucky so. guess. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, t- tell us more. Sorry. Tell us more. Okay, tell us more. She was a lighthouse keeper in Staten Island for about um, for about thirty years, and you know that's basically you know the equivalent of air traffic control, right? She was um, she would keep the lights on at all times at the Robins Reef Lighthouse. And she's, she's credited with saving lives of at least 50 people and guiding the vessels to safety through the channel between Staten Island and New Jersey. And what's amazing is that she, she raised two kids at the lighthouse, and they went to school on Staten Island, so she had to row them back and forth. And not only that, she had to get up every night, every two to three hours, to put coal in the furnace of the... Um, lighthouse to keep the lights on. I mean, God forbid she oversleep. There's going to be a major, <laughs> major disaster. Wow. So, you know, especially at that time in the 19th and early 20th century, shipping was really critical to the New York City's economy. And she was a major contributor to that. And she was, she was only like four foot ten. And she was this, this major, major um, 
hustler. You know, she work. Who who gets up every two to three hours to work, other than new parents? So, <laughs> so we're excited about her. We're excited about all of them. But you know, we have a lot more to do. And the hope is, you know, five statues is is exciting and it's incredible, and we're thrilled to have the public involved. But we have many more to do to correct the gender imbalance in public spaces in New York City. Hope so. Hopefully, this is just the beginning. And when will we actually see these these statues uh, in in our five boroughs? So the first statue will be um, Shirley Chisholm, mm-hmm. and that'll be 2020. And I believe our timeline is 2020, 2021. Uh, sorry, 2021 and 2022. Awesome. And if uh, if people want to find out more about uh, She Built NYC or about women.nyc i mean obviously is that uh, is that exactly where they should go or is there other places that we should send uh, bai listeners who want to learn about all these all these programs well i think women.nyc is a good place to start and uh the website and i also um want to encourage people uh to get involved in the artist selection for the truly shooting the statue um and later in the month in march uh so five artists have been selected to, uh, as finalists for the Shirley Chisholm statue, and their ideas will be on um, display at the Brooklyn Public Library the last week of March. And we'd love for the public to get involved, check it out, you know, offer their their point of view, get their opinions. You know, we want we want this to be a, something that all New Yorkers are excited about and involved in. And also, you know, we'll really would love artists to their ideas along the way. This is a great um, way, especially for women artists get their work out in the public and there will be you know if you follow us on women you'll see that there will be more opportunities calls out for artists for ideas we've got a lot of statues to build and a lot of opportunity so um we love as many new yorkers to be involved as possible in this awesome faye penn executive director of women.nyc it's been a pleasure having you here with us today on driving forces celeste thank you so much for having me really appreciate it hope we'll have you back soon Thank you. Take care. And so now we are almost coming up to the top of the hour. So we have a special treat, actually. We have, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my co-host, Jeff Simmons, who is an awesome guy, uh, is out working on Long Island today. I think he's listening to the program. So hi, Jeff. Thanks for listening to the program. New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson. And that was a, a brief preview there. But uh, what he did, actually, just to be a, a good guy to me, which he always is, was he went out uh, this uh, past Sunday to the St. Pat's for All parade in Sunnyside, Queens. That's the inclusive parade. And he went up to a bunch of our elected officials here, and he just asked them all about Women's History Month. What are they? What does it mean to them? How are they going to celebrate it? How do they observe it? Uh, and he went all along the parade route. So um, this is something that harkens back a little bit to his days as a, uh, as a host and a reporter for Uh, New York One News. So I think we are going to play out today's episode of Driving Forces with my co-host Jeff Simmons uh, talking to people about what Women's History Month means to them. I will be back with you tomorrow at 5 p.m. to talk about women in politics as part of our full day of special programming for uh, International Women's Day. This is WBAI 99.5 FM, Driving Forces. See you tomorrow. New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? You could celebrate the women in their lives and women that have really uh, changed the course of history. This week, 
the council unveiled eight photos inside a city hall of amazing, amazing women who have changed the course of New York City history and American history. And uh, my mom's my best friend. She's my hero. Uh, and I have one sister. So women play a big part in our lives and my life. And, and it's important for all of us to celebrate their contributions. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? They should celebrate it by thanking all the women and like-minded men in their life. And they should celebrate it by pushing to pass, finally, the Equal Rights Amendment. Let's give women the protection they deserve. Let's protect their rights in the Constitution, in stone, so you can enforce equal pay for equal work. Where if there's sexual violence, you can appeal to the Supreme Court for justice. It's long past due that half our, our population be given the rights that they so justly deserve. Women hold up half the sky in America. We've worked with men on every battle, every cause, everything else. We deserve to be in the Constitution. New York State Attorney General Letitia James, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? Oh, by passing the Equal Rights Amendment. Any other things? How do you celebrate? Um, I celebrate it. Uh, I celebrate it through a variety of ways by reminding individuals and reminding women of the power that's within their hands. Assemblywoman Catalina Cruz, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? By supporting the work of every woman in their lives, whether it's a mom, whether it's their sister, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an elected, we have to honor them and respect them and support them. Make sure that they have everything they need to be the most successful woman. One of the things that I did is for Women's History Month, you know, I'm trying to involve Lily, who is the daughter of my chief of staff, as much as possible in everything that we do. Because we have to support one another and support young women especially. Great. Thank Borough you. President Melinda Katz, how do you celebrate Women's History Month? We do an event at our office, but we also celebrate uh, to remember and, and tell our children and the young people of the borough that we stand on the shoulders of the women that came before us. You know, Queens is the home of Geraldine Ferraro and um, great elected officials and great artists uh, in the cultural uh, industry here. Um, but you need to be able to make sure that the young people that are coming up know the battles uh, that we have had in order to get to this point, that we still need uh, equality in our pay, we still need to make sure that we have the choice on our bodies, uh, and that we still need to fight some fights. Uh, interesting story, my son, who was 10 years old, was actually introduced to an assemblyman, and we walked away, and my son, you know, because I, I believe in teaching in the home, so my son said to me, but mom, Who's that? And I said, he's an elected official. Remember when mom won the borough president's race? We were so excited. And then he says, but mom, he's a man. And I said, yes, men can be elected officials too. So I do think a lot of this starts with the stories and the history we tell our kids. And so I'm excited to celebrate it here in Queens, and I look forward to this multiple celebrations as we move forward. New York City Council member Jimmy Van Bramer, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? They should support Women's History Month by supporting women, by recognizing what it means to be a good ally if you happen to be uh, a man in politics or in government or in activism. You have to acknowledge people like my mother, who is standing right next to me right now, who is 79 and who has raised eight children and done incredible things 
despite the fact that men for uh, decades have told her that she didn't have a voice and that her opportunities were limited. And to uh, recognize that people like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and others are making a really big difference in the world. But Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who's right in front of us now, in some ways, uh, and I think she would agree with this, uh, rests on the shoulders of people like my mother, right, who for 80 years have been doing what few people recognize as activism. Um, so I'm proud to support a lot of women for public office. I'm proud to be a strong ally and, and uh, a big voice on these issues that matter, not just to women, but to all of us. New York State Controller Tom DiNapoli, how should people celebrate Women's History Month? Well, we're overdue to have a complete celebration. I think we should start with the women in our own lives that have made such a difference. We wouldn't be who we are without our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, uh, and uh, of course the great women of history. And that's why I appreciate uh, right at New York City Hall, we got portraits of women up for the first time, uh, displacing some of the the uh, older white guys that were there for a long time, and uh, I just think we're living in a time where people recognize that uh, women have made such an incredible difference in our history, and uh, their contributions too often have been underappreciated, overlooked, and certainly seeing the great changes in Washington and Albany as well. Uh, Andre Stewart Cousins, the first woman leader of, uh, of, of one of the conferences in the uh, in the uh, state legislature. A record number of women in the Senate and the Assembly and the U.S. House of Representatives. I mean, just incredible changes. Uh, whether it's uh, going to be next time around or sometime soon, I certainly hope to see a woman president. We still have to make up for what happened to Hillary. So, uh, in in symbolic ways, but also tangible ways, you know, we need to make uh, really every month women's women's uh, history and celebration month. New York City Council Member Helen Rosenthal, when people look back on 2019, what do you hope some of the historic achievements are for women? When history looks back on 2019, I hope they'll see that it was a period of white women waking up to the realities of life for every woman, every woman in uh, history. And the fact that uh, the realities for white women are very different than the realities for black women, Hispanic women, Asian, all people of color. And that we uh, simply acknowledge that. And whether that's in our uh, monuments or portraits or how we talk about things at hearings, um, I hope that history looks back on us favorably as a moment in time when white women wake up. This is Senator Mike Janaris, and for me, every day is a day to honor women, uh, starting with our mothers, uh, our sisters, uh, our co-workers, and, uh, and for Women's History Month especially, we should take note of the great women throughout history that have advanced the cause of women's rights. I try and do everything I can in the state legislature to make sure we protect women's, uh, women's rights, women's health. Uh, rights, uh, with civil rights, uh, and uh, we should rededicate ourselves to that this month. Coming up next on WBAI, we have the WBAI Evening News with Paul DiRienzo. You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial Pacifica Radio. This is WBAI in New York at 99.5 FM, streaming at WBAI.org. Not backing down! This girl is on fire! 
International Women's Day will be celebrated on WBAI Friday, March 8th for a full day of programming. Our WBAI women, Sansara Taylor, Grace Price, Harriet Fraud, Catherine Davis, Fran Luck, Shawnee Rice and Reagan, Naomi Brussels, Denixa Carr, Shimona Kirkland, Juliana Forlano, Earth Mum, Lucy Pagoda, and Professor Robin Spencer, Celeste Katz, Mimi Rosenberg, Malika Lee Whitney. These are some of the WBAI women who will be offering programs on International Women's Day right here on listener-sponsored WBAI New York. Tune in beginning at 9 a.m. and running throughout the day. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights is an outline of our human rights. That outline is elaborated in a series of declarations, treaties, and conventions adopted and signed by countries. For example, Article 7 of the Declaration states in part, 